We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And the Hornets are going to have just a 36-point second half. Steve Clifford and his former player down in Orlando, Vucevic. Greetings. And the Hornets fall to 3-5 and five on the year. First time this season that the Hornets have been two games below 500. And the Hornets will have a day to get better. We'll see them again on Friday in Memphis against the Grizzlies. Welcome, Hornets fans. Uh, this is Richie. And welcome back to another Buzz Beat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. We are live following the game between the Hornets and the Bulls. Since we last recorded, though, the Hornets did lose a heartbreaker to the Kings a few days ago, uh, one in which they led by 15 points in the first half. The bench came out to play for Sacramento. PJ tried to keep that team in the game in the second half, but uh, it was another loss there. I will be joined by Lee, who's been on vacation for a little bit. Lee, is this your first regular season pod of the 22-23 season? It is, yeah. The, the Kings game was the uh, was the first game I really got to truly lock in and watch completely live. Uh, so maybe I just need to go back on vacation because the Hornets <laughs> the Hornets are zero and two since I got back. Yes, they do. They do have a great record with you over in Europe. How how was Europe? Uh, fantastic. First time there. Uh, already plotting in in into about when I can get back. <laughs> Were you scouting uh, European prospects over there? Is that what you were doing? You know, it's funny. I the the Metro ninety twos uh, Victor Wembanyama's team actually was playing in Paris when I was there. It ended up being a a, a harder ticket to get than I anticipated. Um, but I was plotting a little bit. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Well, we're here on Twitter Spaces, so if we have time towards the end, we can take speaker requests as well. Uh, before starting, I wanted to remind everyone to make sure that they take out some time, one minute, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help out the algorithm, help us get seen by more Hornets fans, and also visit buzzbeat.substack.com to check out how you can get your hands on ad-free and early access to episodes. And we wanted to shout out our latest paid subscriber, Michael, and he is on at Laser glaciers on twitter i feel like i've seen that handle before and uh, thank you so much for your support so we're going to get into this recap it was a game that was probably not as bad as the orlando magic game to watch but it was definitely a slog on the offensive end half court offense was hard to come by 
early in this game, but just generally speaking for the four quarters, the Bulls were shutting off some driving lanes, Lee, and just forcing a lot of action east-west. So credit to Chicago for doing that. I think the swing piece in this game was the three-point shooting. You know, just looking at the first half, I haven't looked at the second half numbers, but the Bulls shot nine of 16. It just feels like green, especially like there's players that just come out of nowhere and just start hitting threes against the Hornets. And the Chicago team is like a bottom five, bottom three team when it comes to attempt rate from deep, which the Hornets are too. So I guess I can't be too mad about that, but it always seems to be the case when opposing teams are playing the Hornets, something magical happens from some random player. And it's just so frustrating to watch. So it was a very weird game uh, because there were points in the first half where I actually was just like watching and the Hornets were making runs. And I was like, wow, the Hornets must be up like three or four at this point. And yeah. then I look at the scoreboard and they're down. Before we get into kind of the, the player performances, Lee, what were some of like the team takeaways, just observations you had about this game? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the second half offense, you know, leaves a really bad taste in your mouth 36 total points <laughs> for the hornets in the second half uh you know granted i mean you know they they kind of kept chicago in check for most of this game offensively besides the three-point shooting you know you already mentioned i think jones jr and javante green of course Dragic had moments too uh i think the main takeaway i know it's like very obvious and a bit sobering, but you know, when you don't have LaMelo ball, when you don't have Terry Rozier, and then when you don't have Gordon Hayward for an entire second half, you know, this, this roster and this team without those three guys are just completely devoid of like on ball playmaking. And as awesome as Dennis Smith jr has been, and as explosive as he can be on the ball, even in the half court at times, you know, you're really just kind of like, you're just kind of pitter-pattering the ball around the perimeter, trying to drive and kick a little bit, and it's sloppy, and the and the Bulls just kind of start swallowing you up defensively. I mean, with DeRozan and Patrick Williams and Jones Jr., Devontae Green, even Caruso, like they just, they really just swallowed the Hornets, like, perimeter creation up completely in the second half, and there was just, there was just really nowhere to go. Uh, out there so I mean obviously the Hornets have to have to hope that this Gordon Hayward mm-hmm. you know injury is is minor um, but obviously we'll we'll wait and see hopefully tomorrow with an update we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you would have told me that DeRozan had nine points, Levine had 10, I think I probably would have had the Hornets winning this game. Yeah, It's always the lesser known players that give the Hornets some trouble. And yeah, we'll we'll start with the Hayward stuff. And I'll just kind of piggyback off what you said, uh, because there is some news related to him in terms of that injury. He only played in the first half. Like Lee said, he left the game with left shoulder soreness and the injuries are piling up for this team. It's not something that there's a lot of room for error here. And it's surprising in a sense that um, Hayward actually is leading the team in minutes played. But but by the same token, it's not because of Rozier and LaMelo being out. So that was something that I was monitoring to begin with. But I'm hoping this is not like a lingering issue because they are so thin to begin with. But I will say this, you know, just from, you know, the first eight games of the season, it feels like depth wise the Hornets may not be like the deepest team in the NBA, but it, it feels like they can throw some guys in there. McDaniels obviously is making the most of his opportunity. You know, JT Thor has not kind of found his footing within the NBA yet. So maybe he's not a guy that can fill in for Hayward, but it, it feels like they're doing a good job of mixing and matching lineups and they have enough depth, not necessarily to withstand, uh, you know, multiple players being out, but if Hayward were to go down for, you know, three or four straight games, I think they'd be all right if they could probably get Rozier back, Cody Martin back. It, it, it's just a combination of everyone being out. That's that's the issue. Yeah, and you almost you almost forget about Cody Martin just because yeah. of the, the high-profile other guys, obviously Ball, Rozier, and Hayward. Um, yeah, I like they, they have to get one or two of those guys back if Hayward's going to be out for like a week because like book Knight and Maladone off the bench, you know, as your backup guards, like both of them have had some moments in, in this early season, but neither one of them creates enough like lane and rim pressure. And like Dennis Smith jr. I mean, he played 32 minutes tonight. He's, you know, he's got a rest at times. And with those three, you know, three, three of our, maybe our three, you know, certainly our three best on ball playmakers out. It's just, yeah, and, and look, this Hornets defense structurally has been like a more, much more professional defense this year. I mean, even tonight, again, besides the the really the like the corner three shooting, it was it was a pretty good defensive night. Like you you mentioned how they you know DeRozan and Levine combined six for twenty seven tonight. It was the other guys. It was it was Patrick Williams who looked awesome tonight that killed us, and and some of those other players. So. It's just a tall order. You you start to ask some of these role players who have played well early in the season, you know, in their lane, in their role, you start to ask them to do a little too much. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're down 20. Yeah. And I feel like Hayward, you know, I know it's only been eight games, but I feel like he has been, in my estimation, Charlotte's best player, most consistent player. I think tonight he kind of had some lackluster play finishing with seven points on three of 11 shooting. 
But let's get to some brighter news in this game. We'll try to highlight as much positives as we can. I guess I'll start with Jalen McDaniels just because, like, that's my guy. I mean, outside of Hayward, he's my guy. got to start there. (laughs) Um, I thought his activity was awesome tonight, you know, especially on – well, on both ends. On the defensive end, you see it, but on the offensive end, he is a constant mover. And we've seen how that's benefited him in the past – in seasons past where he's a low usage guy. And uh, when he does come in for those, you know, small spurts of play, he's going to be moving. He's going to be cutting. He's going to be trying to get points off of offensive rebound. But now it feels like it's coming more to light because he's getting more playing time and he's spotlighted uh, even more with some of these injuries that are piling up. I think tonight he did miss several shots off the dribble. It wasn't his best game shooting, but he still made an impact. And it's something that I will be monitoring over the course of the season. It's just his ability to get shots off with the ball in his hands. And I think we saw a little bit of that towards the end of last season. And now I think he'll continue that to become a better player on the ball. But it just seems like McDaniels, and this is probably just some kind of subjective observation that I'm having with him. It feels like he realizes he's playing for a future contract. He's a guy that's, you know, on an expiring contract. He's playing to show that he belongs in this league. He's playing to show that he can have a bigger role. And he is now given it uh, with Clifford. And it feels like those two are a match made in heaven. He he, um, Mm -hmm. has a lot of the qualities that Clifford would like on both ends of the court. So he's definitely making the most of his opportunity. And we saw that again tonight, even though that his shots were not converting. Yeah, but I, I actually think because of that, this was like a, a really positive and encouraging example of why Jalen McDaniels is coming into his own as like a real NBA rotational player. Honestly, it reminds me a little bit of kind of like early season Cody Martin last year where, you know, we were maybe whatever, five, seven to 10 games in and you started to to really notice and realize that like, you know, Cody Martin was going to be a part of this rotation. I think McDaniels is starting to like really solidify himself as, you know, one of the eight guys kind of moving forward that is going to be a part of, hopefully be a part of this organization. He was over five from three tonight. He was five for 18 from the field, but he was shooting 60% from three on the year. So like he was due to have a little bit of kind of a mean regression with the shooting, I think as long as he can be like a, a you know a mid to high three thirty percent three point shooter that that'll be just fine for the role he plays because of all the other things you just kind of alluded to. I mean, he runs the floor like a madman. He's a really kind of savvy and clever cutter, like not only off the ball but also in the pick and roll. Um, at times, he had one. I don't remember if it was Maladon or, or Dennis Smith that hit him, but he had one at the top of the key where he just rolled really hard to the right side of the of the rim, made a nice kind of like in traffic on the move catch and laid it in. He did miss a couple chippies tonight, but he's also just so defensively active. I mean, yeah. if it wasn't for Dennis Smith Jr., who seems to have like a deflection every other play, I would say that besides him, McDaniels probably leads – this team kind of in like pokeaways and deflections and just like defensive disruption. Obviously his size and his length makes him, you know, the ability to kind of guard up and down the lineup. Obviously he has, he has like some uh, far into the spectrum limitations there. He can't guard like the biggest fives and he, and he probably can't guard like the, the, the shiftiest kind of ones, but 
in in the middle of the lineup, he can really go up and down two through four. So yeah, I, I, I am with you, Richie. You know, you've been on McDaniel's pretty much his entire career. I think we've seen lots of flashes and progressively more and more flashes every single year. And now he's really looking like a guy who's just a straight up real NBA player. The last little thing I'll mention with him is like, I think the handle is like eight to 12% better than last year. Something like somewhere in there. I mean, his, how did you quantify that Lee? How did you quantify that? So, I mean, that's, you have a formula. Yeah. Yeah. I I carried the five. I've got, I've got, I've got a nice little E equals MC squared formula. I'm running on the back end of that. That's uh, that's spitting those numbers out for me. Gotcha. So yeah, yeah, I think 8.3% might be the, uh, might be the final total there. Well, you mentioned DSJ and obviously you've had the chance to watch him over the past couple of games. I saw a tweet of yours the other day, just kind of being pleasantly surprised by Smith Jr. And it's so crazy to see like that late edition of Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, Not many people expecting a ton out of that guy, but his defense has been such a pleasant sight this season and one that the Hornets fans have been accustomed to seeing on a night to night basis. And he had an awesome deflection in this game where you were talking about his deflections where he was like backpedaling and he just swats the ball. It led to a three pointer on the opposite end. He makes like every little possession hard for that ball handler and every little thing that he does, like it, it can change the possession. He even forced the ball handler. I can't remember what it was, but he forced a ball handler to travel because yeah, of the pressure. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. That's him. Us. yeah. Just him. So he, he's going to make it hard for opponents on that end of the court. And his three point shot has been uh, a little bit surprising on, on the good end. I don't know if that'll sustain over the course of the season, right. but and, and maybe the numbers don't support this, but I, I haven't looked this up. But I feel like he's done a pretty good job at finishing around the rim. And I think his athleticism and his hang time allows him to kind of maneuver and, you know, around those defenders, around those limbs. And maybe it's more of like the difficulty that kind of shocks me more than anything in terms of how he's able to finish at the rim. So that's another player that just keeps on making his imprint on the game. Well, your your eyes are not deceiving you. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is 21 for 32, 69th percentile at the rim this season. So pretty good, above average. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously it could get better, but um, you know, it's always a little bit tougher for those guards. But yeah, that's what have you seen so far out of DSJ? I know you've only watched uh, two games of him. Yeah, you know, it's funny, you know, feeling FOMO and out of the loop, obviously a little bit uh, when I was traversing the European cities. Uh, but I, I just kept wondering, like, am I just seeing highlights? Is, is this guy like, I, and obviously we've got our group text going in the Slack, uh, the Buzzbeat Slack going and like everybody's speaking really highly of him. So I'm like, there's got to be something to this. But I mean, I'll just make a couple quick notes here. Like number one, I've been a front office that I've really supported for the most part, but my one big criticism of this front office has been where is the backup point guard? Like just, you know, refusing to put any type of real resources in the backup point guard position. And although obviously they got Dennis Smith Jr. Like essentially off the scrap heap, uh, basically on like a minimum contract. So it's not necessarily that they, poured resources into it, but they did take like an interesting swing at a former lottery pick. And my goodness, I mean, I I definitely have to kind of like give some credit to Mitch Kupchak there for finally 
Obviously, you know, it's still early, but what he's doing feels sustainable. I think you're right. I think it's, it's fair to think that the shooting numbers could certainly dip um, for, for Dennis Smith Jr. like kind of throughout the year, but everything else feels really sustainable. Like the point of attack defense feels incredibly sustainable. I've just been amazed at, at what a ball hawk he is and how strong he is and, and how quick and, and precise his hands can be. So, and, and that void has been so, I mean, we've t- how many times have we talked about on this podcast, like point of attack defense, point of attack defense. Well, not only do we find a backup point guard, but we find one that is just like stonewalling opposing point guards. The other two things is like when he does get downhill, when he does penetrate in the lane, I've been super impressed with his passing, like finding guys for corner threes, finding uh, Nick Richards or Plumley or whoever for little dump off dunks and layups. Like, I think uh, he, he's been a really intelligent distributor once he gets downhill in the lane. Mm-hmm. And then also just like the fun athletic finishing around the rim that you talked about. He's had a couple kind of like reverse uh, alley-oop reverse layups and all sorts of stuff like that. He's been awesome. I mean, it's it's I shudder to think where this team would be without him, which I was very skeptical that he would be able to make any type of uh, meaningful contributions this season. And I was – very wrong about that and i'm glad i was well you say you give credit to the front office but do you even think that they expected this out of him though probably not no there's no way they could have foreseen this but at least they took a high upside swing at a position of need but yeah yeah, no i don't think they foresaw this yeah all right we'll go to another one of your players nick richards you're Mm -hmm. probably the highest on him out of anyone on this podcast, or at least you've been the highest, the longest, let me put it that way. Um, He's probably been the most improved player on this roster. Um, Didn't have the greatest of nights tonight, but there were some flashes of highlights in this game that continue to impress me that, you know, when you look at him, he's not like this, like crazy athlete that can get up off the court. Uh, But there have been some like plays this game and this season where he just explodes off the court for a dunk that just surprised me. Like there was one pick and roll finish that he had. The pass wasn't the greatest. It was almost like behind him and he catches it in stride and goes up without any hiccups. And I, I know I've mentioned this over the off season and this season too, but like, he's a very underrated pick and roll big. Like he's not a, he's not a big leaper. He's not a crazy athlete, but uh, if you put him in a pick and roll situation, um, he's going to be able to finish more times than not. I think you know what opposing teams probably should do is when he does catch that ball in the pick and roll, double force him to pass. I think that's a spot where you know you could probably cause him to make a mistake or two. So pleasant surprise from Richards. Not necessarily awesome game tonight, but uh, also, also too he also met uh, Jones Jr. at the rim and erased yeah. a uh, would be dunk there. So uh, your man Richards uh, vindication, rightly. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was really high on him, at least relative to consensus. I was really high on him in the 2020 uh, draft process. Um, It's taken some time, and I'd be lying if I said there weren't, uh, you know, kind of moments of uh, of doubt. (laughs) There were times where, you know, I wondered if 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 this kind of like, you know, I quote unquote breakout, you know, I mean, he's, he's proving that he's an NBA rotation player. I think right now I, I you know, obviously he's still, uh, 
probably just that. You know, I, I think he'd still got a long ways to go to prove that he can be kind of an every night starter. I, I don't think we're quite there yet, obviously, but. But yeah, it it does it does feel good. Uh, a guy that I have had a lot of confidence in on, on the like kind of the long term developmental arc path, and and he's finally really coming into his own. Like you said, not his greatest night tonight. Both the last two games have not necessarily been his his greatest performance. But he just you know for a team right now, particularly that that is lacking kind of offensive punch. You know, the the extra possessions he creates. I mean, right now he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the NBA. So anytime you can get an athletic big that can create extra opportunities for a team that is struggling offensively, I think that's super valuable. And then you, what you already mentioned, like being a competent pick-and-roll partner for some of these young guards that are, that are thrust into really big roles right now, you know, book night. Maladone, Dennis Smith Jr. That is 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 makes their life a little bit easier. And 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 again, it's just kind of another example of uh, second round uh, found money that Mitch Kupchak has kind of uh, made a brand of here with the Hornets, going back to Devontae Graham and and Cody Martin and Jalen McDaniels and and now Nick Richards. I mean, that's four guys just rattled off the top of my head. Um, that that Kupchak has drafted in the second round. So uh, yeah, he he's and, and look, he he uh, developed at times in Greensboro, and you know Mark Williams is going to be in Greensboro now for a little bit. I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Obviously, Mark Williams is is uh, you know lottery pick or fringe lottery pick, and uh, Nick Richards was a second rounder, so it's a little bit of a different situation. But still, I think you know will will be a good thing. You mentioned Book Knight, and I want to get to him before we wrap here. Yeah, um, he had a early transition three point make, and I thought, okay, maybe he, he sees the first one go through. He's yeah. going to have confidence. All the same thing uh, did not happen. Overall, he was two of seven from the field tonight, and this is the case for all players, but it feels like it applies to Book Knight even more. Uh, the more dribbles you take, the more time you try to size up your opponent, it feels like your shooting percentage goes down exponentially. And it for him, I think he's got to be more of a catch-and-shoot, quick trigger. If it's an open shot, take it. But when he is dribbling and pounding the rock, and really he can't create ground with that dribble, and he realizes, okay, the, the shot clock is going down, let me just get up a shot, it, it just feels like nothing good comes of it. And I, uh, on the last episode, like I, I don't, I don't know if he actually will crack a top ten rotation once when everyone is healthy. I ran down all the players that I would have over him, and to be honest with you, even the eleventh player I had like Teo Maladon. Like I would put Teo above him. So impressions of book. I know you've not been the highest on him. I just don't know what his future is with this team. Maybe that's maybe that's harsh. I don't know. No, I mean, look, I, I was the same as you. He hit that first left wing kind of spot up three and 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 actually had a couple nice kind of like closeout attacks in the first half too. And I was like, okay, this is kind of as comfortable as, we, as we've seen him offensively, at least in that short little spurt. And then that was really it. Like the rest of the night was just like you said, it was kind of the the hapless, aimless dribbling, the step back threes a couple deep threes that he missed poorly. 
you know, and, th- and this was like, and yeah, like obviously during the draft process, I was lower on book night than, than, than most uh, kind of because of that. Like I, I saw, I saw a good athlete, but I, but I didn't see much like NBA level dribble creation. And I didn't think the shooting was good enough to kind of like make up for that. But I agree with you. Like when his feet are set and he's in rhythm, the, the jumper has looked better this year. It's, it just seems that he hasn't been and, – and maybe some of that's not on him. Maybe some of that needs to be kind of schemed up with, with different type of actions and, and him in different situations. He's certainly been asked to have the ball in his hands more, again, with all these playmakers out, and that's not necessarily fair to him because it, it isn't necessarily him at his best self. But at a certain point, you've got to start seeing some type of progression, you know, off the dribble offensively, or you need to see him settle into his role more as kind of like an off-ball shot hunt, like set shot hunter and floor spacer. He doesn't have kind of like the off-ball cutting savvy of, of a guy like McDaniel, so he doesn't really create a lot there. You'd think he'd be a guy who's really awesome in transition, but that's a little hit or miss too. And then defensively, you know, like mo- like this isn't this isn't exclusive to book night, so I'm not picking on him here, but just like young guards just struggle defensively. So that's not necessarily a strong suit of his either. So I- I'd agree with you, and I think it's an interesting conversation. Like when all these got like when the full complement is yeah. back, who's out of the rotation? And I do think it might be both Maladon and Book Knight. I think right. probably JT Thor would lose some of his opportunities as well, because I mean, Dennis Smith Jr.'s got to stay in the rotation at this point. Um, and the rest of the guys are kind of proven to a degree. So, yeah, I, I think it's Book Knight, it's Maladon, and it's probably Thor. Uh, but maybe one of those three guys can stay in the rotation a little bit. I'm just I, – I don't know which one it is. And honestly, I don't have a super strong opinion out of those three right now. Like, like I, I was a big Maladon guy uh, in the 2020 draft process – I'm really happy that he is on this roster as a developmental piece. I think he's shown uh, some flashes early in this season, but he just doesn't look quite comfortable enough with the ball in his hands either yet to be like a rock solid rotation guy when everybody gets back. I don't think. Yeah. And he's cooled off a little bit in the past. couple yes, of times. Yeah. He's had a hot start. There's not much more I would like to add uh, about this game. Uh, I know that Ubre you know, had a very strong second half. Ubre, an Ubre game. Yeah. Ubre game. I think he had nine points in that first, like, couple of minutes there to kind of cut the lead to something manageable, but obviously uh, nothing substantial on his end. He did have another breakdown defensively uh, on a ghost screen, and he just left his man without any type of communication. That happened versus Sacramento, too, where Hayward communicates a switch, and he just isn't quick enough to get out to his guy, and Hayward's sitting there shaking his head like, okay, dude, Let's let's show some urgency here. So, uh, is there anything that you would like to add to this game, or just kind of your general observations before we wrap? And I will say that the Hornets, the next two games they have coming up are another back to back on a Friday, Saturday against Memphis and uh, against the Nets on Saturday. I was hoping for a split over these next four games, but that would require them to win both of these games on the back to back. I was hoping a, a Kings win would be at least one of those, but that was not the case any other thoughts uh lee no that was that was uh that was the one they should have gotten for sure um 
No, I mean, I think, you know, there, there, there is some PJ Washington stuff going on, which is great. Like he's definitely looked better in isolation off the dribble, things of that nature, but we can save that for, for another pod. I think the only other thing I would say like early season observations as I'm diving back in that there is like just an obvious upgrade from a defensive kind of structure standpoint to this team. Like they, they're, they're competing harder. Um, they, they're more tight in rotations. They're flying around like madmen. Um, and I, and I think that is kind of like the floor raising part of the Steve Clifford equation. Obviously there are trade-offs on the other end of that. And he hasn't had his full complement of offensive players, you know, clearly, but it does kind of, and, and look, Dennis Smith Jr. with his point of attack defense, like makes that easier, you know, when you're not constantly getting blown by and, and having rim pressure that, that helps the, the defensive structure a lot, but I am impressed with what Clifford has done at least at least early in this season from just kind of a macro defensive standpoint. All right, we'll go ahead and wrap there. I actually ended up checking up the final three-point stats because I know I only had the first half stats as we started this podcast. Uh, the Hornets finish 7 of 32 from behind the arc, and Great. the Bulls finish 14 of 31 at 45%. So that, to me, was one of the biggest difference makers it wasn't everything but uh when that happens it's hard to beat opponents so we appreciate everyone tuning in live for our twitter spaces here for lee i am richie we'll talk to you guys later take care everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.